Well, good morning and welcome to the morning meeting. We have uh, the 4th of March. This is a Friday, so thank God it's Friday. US markets overnight, very lackluster. We had a pretty volatile session, as you can imagine, given the backdrop that is Ukraine and Russia at the moment. For the record, the Dow closed at the end of the day down 97 points with a low of down 250 and a high of up 288. So kind of in the middle there, although a little biased to the downside. NASDAQ coming under some pressure as well, down 1.5%. But it was all about oil. It was all about commodities last night. Commodities generally were pretty solid. Iron ore, a very solid day in Asia yesterday, up 5.5%. We did see nickel up by 0.3% as well, one of the highlights there. But the oil price, which hit earlier highs that we haven't seen for many a long year, uh, did come off eventually down 2.2%. As a result of all this, the SPY futures were showing a loss of 58 points. We're currently at around 10.30, down around 36 points. Uh, with the banks and BHP and other miners under a little bit of pressure. Gold was up last night, up 0.7%, but uh, the optimism in commodities themselves didn't really feed through into uh, miners or commodity stocks. did see wheat, though, up 22%, which was an interesting move, and that volatility of Newcastle coal continues. We have it down 33%. It had been up 100% in a few days, but clearly coming off the top there. So what else is happening out there, Tom? Thanks, Henry. Well, we've got SQ2 dragging the tech sector down, which uh, technology, the biggest weight in the market at the moment. Consumer staples, the only sector in positive territory, and that's coming from Woolworths and Coles, their ex-dividend. They traded ex-dividend yesterday, so bouncing a bit. Energy names, as you said, they're taking a bit of a breather despite all the moves in commodities. Iron ore miners also down a touch despite iron ore being up more than 5%. On the stock-specific front, Infomedia is up around 4%. They had some management changes, split it payments down around 3% on an update. And there's also some speculation West farmers might be interested in JCAR. And there was Batcore and JB Hi-Fi also named in the article. And that Batcore could sell, uh, sorry, rather JCAR could sell for about 500 million. So a price tag there. Brambles, there's some speculation. Brambles could offload half or its North American division, which is understood to be worth around $7.5 billion. And an interesting story I picked up on Panasonic Sonic is looking to buy a massive plot of land to build a multi-billion dollar factory in the US to make batteries for Tesla. And that shines a bit of light on Novanix, which is in advanced conversations with Samsung and Panasonic to supply synthetic graphite anode material. So the share price on Novanix is down something like 50% since last year's high. Very announcement driven, no earnings, but it's looking a lot more attractive and interesting moves if, there's, if this Panasonic and deal comes off with Novanix, there could be something for them in that. No corporate events today. Medibank and Ampol are trading ex-dividend. And on the economic front, we have some detailed retail trade data in January. We did have preliminary numbers out at the start of the week, so not going to have much of an influence. But the big news tonight is US jobs numbers. Unemployment is expected to drop to 3.9% from 4%, and 400,000 jobs are expected to be added. Now, the release is unlikely to have much or to add much weight to the Fed's decision. We did see the last few days, there's a pretty much 100% chance of the Fed lifting rates by 25 bips. So, but it'll be interesting nonetheless, Henry. Uh, thanks, Tom. Good article uh, as well this week for your buy, hold, sell segment on Sims Metal. So well done, mate. That's a, a pretty impressive piece of work as usual. So I'd urge anyone listening to this podcast to have a look at Tom's work there on Sims Metal. Leighton, over to you. What are the brokers?
Lucas saying out there at the moment? Thanks, Henry. Pretty quiet this morning, so I'll keep it short. Uh, there was an upgrade for Auckland International Airport from Credit Suisse, and that comes after the NZ government removed the 10-day isolation for New Zealand citizens. The target price is 11% above the current share price. Corporate travel management after the ACCC clearance for their bid yesterday. UBS has a buy rating with a target price 28% above the current share price. And Suncorp, UBS says that the earnings risk related to the current natural disasters are limited by aggregate stop loss insurance. So they've retained their buy rating with a target price 32% above the current share price. And there's an average target price there 29% above the current share price. So it doesn't look too bad for Suncorp insurance. And that's all for me. Thanks, Henry. Yeah, it's interesting really with the insurance sector, with the floods going on in New South Wales and Queensland at the moment. It's massive. It's the you guys probably are not really aware of the scale, maybe, but I know that I was out at uh, Richmond last year evacuating a friend, and it's worse than that uh, this time out. So uh, those insurers, it's going to be interesting for them. Ords have got a good piece of research out this morning on the insurance risk and the uh, the downside and the upside to the sector. So uh, maybe we should uh, have a little look at that research in the next few days and comment on insurers. As far as my stuff goes today, I did do a big strategy article. I started with Place talking about oil price shocks and it reminded me of 50 years ago when I was a young lad uh, doing my homework by candlelight in the UK as we saw three-day weeks and an oil shortage, petrol rations, etc. As we saw OPEC raise oil prices from three to 12 bucks, it was a very scary rabbit hole to go down. And although it was was um, a scary conclusion about what could possibly happen uh, if this continues with this inflationary shock to the system. It was just a thought piece, I guess, for people to have a think about uh, what could possibly happen. I'm not advocating a sell everything kind of mentality or this is likely to happen, but uh, history does repeat, as they say. And certainly looking back 50 years ago, when we saw that first OPEC crisis, there was another conflict there, the Arab-Israeli war going on at the time. Uh, that was partly the reason for the crisis. And here we've got the Ukraine-Russia crisis at the moment. And of course, it's not just oil that's being affected, as we talked about previously, it's wheat as well, with that 22% rise. And that's just coming on top of other soft commodities as well. So that will feed into that inflationary talk. Interestingly, I saw this morning the US Commerce Secretary talking about inflation in the US, and she blamed it fairly and squarely on car price rises uh, due to the lack of semiconductors, which um, I'm not sure where she's been living, but certainly there are other things at play more than just car prices. So I think the US jobs numbers this evening are going to be probably a bit overlooked given what we've seen from Powell in the last couple of days in terms of interest rate increases in March. But any kind of surprise there could jolt the market out of some complacency. So we may see some volatilities. As far as the small caps go, there's plenty happening, uh, plenty going on at the moment. Points bet had a big run yesterday. Some speculation in the media that they could be involved in a merger with uh, Yahoo, private equity, putting a bunch of companies together to create a bit of a gambling or sports betting behemoth in the US. So there's that rumbling around. Of course, the oil price is helping the likes of Karoon, although that's off a little bit today. Also, we saw numbers out for Carnarvon as well today. That stops up a little bit on the back of that. And Zip remains under pressure and certainly wouldn't go near that one. But this is, uh, I think you're going to be an interesting week next week. I'm away. So um, it'll be over to you guys for the time being. Should be fun. We'll miss you, Henry, but you definitely deserve a good bit of time off. So We'll like to see the photos when you get back. It's only four days, Tommy. <laughs> it's a long time yes. in markets and war, though, isn't it? It is a very long time in markets and war. Chris, 
not here today. He's out of the office, but he did yesterday a recording with Stuart for the technical trade section. They took a technical look at the market in general, as well as the sectors. And it's really quite an informative session. Stuart goes through some of the key tools that he uses to form his view of the markets. And that one's up live on his section today. So that's definitely worth having a look at. Awesome. Thanks, Thanks, Leighton. uh, Thanks, Leighton. That's great. What have we got as question of the day, trying to stimulate the little grey cells, which I've tried to do today in my scary strategy piece. Are we at the start of a commodities super cycle? Henry, your answer. I think we certainly are. I don't know if we're at the start because the commodities have been raging for some time now with oil at 110 and iron ore, you know, despite coming off from 220, it's still 150 US dollars. So it's a pretty good thing. So I think, yes, we are in a commodity super cycle, something that Phil King from Regal talked about yesterday in his webinar. We have a podcast from Phil. I chatted to Phil. I used to work with Phil. We have a podcast on On the Couch, uh, which you can uh, have a look for in the podcast section. And it's informative to uh, to get his views there when we chatted last, I think it was last year, the end of last year. So that, that's interesting. But yes, definitely, I think we are in a, I don't know about super cycle. We're already, I guess, in a bit of a super uh, price cycle to some extent, but certainly I think this is a decade where commodity exposed stocks and a commodity exposed economies will do very well. And Leighton? Yeah, I think it's going to continue to run for quite a bit longer. I think especially with oil, it's not just going to go away when the conflict goes away between Russia and Ukraine, I think there's going to be lingering effects there and the prices will keep going up. Very nice. What about you, Tom? What do you What think? about me? I like the point that Chris made, even though p- prices are high, you got to think there's nothing, they can always go higher. And uh, I was reading an article from the Goldman Sachs head of commodities and he was talking about how we're out of everything and he's never seen a, a market as tight as this one, as well as the production risks coming in from higher energy prices and the inflation we've seen in Europe. It's going to be uneconomical for some of these producers in Europe with energy prices so high. And that's going to further fan the flames of these uh, higher base metal prices and commodity prices. So it's this positive feedback loop that is really <laughs> negative for um, consumers and wholesale prices and consumer prices. So yeah, I think um, there are definitely the elements there for a super cycle. Thanks, Tom. Nice. Good points. Good points. Well, that's it. We'll wrap it up today. Have a great weekend, everyone. May the markets be with you. And may we have a relatively benign US jobs number tonight and survive the volatility and the extreme geopolitical events that are happening at the moment. Thanks, Henry. Thank you.